Hello and welcome to the next episode of The Prestige, a podcast about films, filmmaking and film theory. Each week we'll focus on a particular movie, we'll start off by talking about that movie, reviewing it, and then we'll move on to a much larger theme, talking about a theme that develops from that review, slash discussion, slash rant, slash whatever. And we'll end with some recommendations based on the actors or directors or themes of each week. And uh, we'll begin by introducing ourselves. So, who are we and why should you listen to us? My name's Rob Maythorn. I am a film colourist. I spent the last decade of my life working in the film industry, working on film sets and film productions all across the country and all across the world. And I've got a degree in film. And my co-host on this show is Sam Knowles. He is a highly educated uh, lecturer in English who has written books that I will never understand and brings a certain academic heft to our discussions that uh, is most needed. This week, then, it was my turn to choose the film. And although it's going to seem a strange choice, given that my partner and I were preparing to get on a plane, I picked Flight. Now, just a few notes on it to start with. It's quite recent Denzel Washington film, 2012, and it centres around, well, starts with a plane crash which takes place as a result of what sounds like a severe mechanical failure at the beginning of the film, and from which there would have been no survivors had it been piloted by anyone other than the protagonist, Captain Whit Whittaker. Um, by his own admission, and admittedly in the assessment of others, Whittaker pulls off a miraculous bit of flying in order to land the plane relatively safely. I say relatively because six people die, but a hundred don't. And that's all well and good. So in one narrative, Whit Whitaker is a hero. Many lives are saved in spite of machine error, huzzah, break out the champagne. The trouble is, though, that there's a second narrative. Whit is a high-functioning alcoholic and drug addict. On the night before the crash, he was involved in an all-night session consisting of sex, booze, drugs, little sleep with one of his own cabin crew. And as turbulence shakes the aircraft and he reassures the passengers, he's pouring himself vodka. Um, so while the crash was not precipitated by his addictions, it throws a spotlight on them and the blame is sought, well, blame is obviously sought by the loved ones of those who die, but also the airline, the authorities, Whip's in trouble. And so the film plays out through the lens of Whip's relationships, um, sexual and otherwise, and uh, we view the captain's construction of his own self through other other people. Um, and as a consequence, we get a picture of the selfishness, obstinacy, cunning and stupidity of addiction. So these two very definite narratives to the film. Rob, what did you think? I didn't like it. Okay. I I think that there's some great elements to this film. I think the opening section, uh, up until the crash, is an amazingly high-octane, riveting bit of cinema. I think, I think as a cinematic experience, that was amazing. I think that Denzel Washington is a great actor and some great work in his film. I, th- I would say that across the board, with the possible exception of his son, the acting is stellar mm-hmm. in the film. I think the direction is sloppy, and I think it's probably about an hour too long. Okay, so say more about that. Why do you think... Why didn't you like the direction? I think the direction suffered in places in that now there's a character in this film played by John Goodman mm-hmm. who is a larger than life drug dealer 
Yeah. Who sneaks in porn and drugs and drink to whip in the hospital and, and has a crucial role in the end of the film. He felt very much like he was from a whole different film. Right, yeah. Compared to everyone else in this film, he felt like a completely different character. He belonged in The Big Lebowski. Yeah. That, that we got one person who's clearly having a great time doing the role, completely out of there, didn't belong in the film. I think that Whip's character, I think, was... I, I really liked the Nintendo's performance of it, but I think that at a certain point, the direction was sloppy in that it, they change your allegiance on him far too often. Right. The, the roller coaster of the film of where you like him, hate him, like him, hate him, like him, hate him. I genuinely got bored with it. Right. The, the, the amount of peaks and troughs in that, that thing. I think that the ending went on far too long. There's a, the, the climax of the film at a certain point, and then there's like a, a postscript, shall we say. Yeah. I don't want to give away too many spoilers for the end of the film, but there's a postscript, and that kind of had two sections, I suppose. Hmm to it and there was no need for both those sections you could either have I would have kept the audio of the first one and the visuals of the second one and merged the two myself but it just kind of went on too long and that's I think the direction and the length are tied together the hour the film's two hours 20 minutes long and I think that I mean an hour is probably a little much but I think 40 minutes shorter certainly the rise and fall of whip could have done with one less peak and trough mm. at that point they told the story of his addiction and the problem with it and I think that it was time to rein that back in a little bit. Right. From my point of view, I would just say, I think that essentially, the bottom line is I got bored. At a certain point, I was just bored with the story. Right. Your thoughts, Sam? Funnily enough, I'm going to agree with everything you said and then disagree, disagree with you. Um, because I know exactly what you mean about things getting revisited and it going on too long and even feeling a bit boring at times. But addiction is boring essentially addiction is something that cannot be understood by other people at its roots and i think the film did a really good job of showing just how alienating it can be uh, i i particularly like the way that like the apartment this is a film that's definitely not about what you think it's going to be about mm-hmm. and mark kermode has an argument about jaws that it's a shark movie that's not about a shark so this is a plane movie that's not about a plane. And I like that. I like the... the, the there are too too many stories at times, and I quite like that. I, I particularly like Denzel Washington's acting. Um, I think he did a brilliant job of making a, in general, thoroughly loathsome character actually likeable. Well, maybe not likeable, but you can at least feel that you don't... Not, don't don't really mean you can relate to him, but there's just something about him that something about his his character that's magnetic that you want to find out about it. I I would just a quick interjection before you carry on. I would agree there. I think that he does a great job making you want to root for him as a character. Mm. Yeah. My, my problem was at a certain point his constant relapsing, which is obviously part of addiction. I reached a point where I stopped caring. Yeah. In his relapses. I think that was where I felt the direction was sloppy, is that there was a certain point where you're like, you know, you see him going through the highs and lows, you're like, oh, come on, man, pull it together, pull it together. You know, you can do this. We've seen the good, and now you're giving us the bad. What about the good? And then I reached a point where I just didn't care anymore. Yeah. Anyway, back to yourself. The other acting, Nicole Kelly Riley, she was great, although there wasn't enough of her in the film. 
and that's mm-hmm. an imbalance I'll get on to in a minute. Um, and the other, apart from John Goodman, who I think you're right, is is bizarre. Like, what's he doing in this film? But it, even so, he was brilliant. I really enjoyed him. The, yeah, the the thing I wanted to get on to about Nicole is that she seems to exist as a foil for Whip and an instrument of his addiction or a way mm. that he he tries to, to deal with things that are going on and she makes a decision she doesn't want to be with him and she leaves him. That, that was frustrating. But then, going back to the point I opened with, maybe that's the point that the film treats her as Whip deals with her, as as an addict deals with other people. And addicts deal with people in frustrating, annoying, painful ways, hurtful ways, and maybe that's something that the, the film was doing. I, I would I would kind of agree. I think that... No, I, I would completely agree. I think that the character of Nicole was completely undersold in the film. I think there's been a lot more work there. Just for listeners, Nicole is a recovering heroin addict that uh, Whip meets in hospital, befriends, they have a relationship, and she she goes sober and he tries to go sober. Mm. And I think there's an interesting dichotomy of their two stories in that there's there's an element of rock bottom. And I think that a lot of films, a lot of real-life stories that deal with alcoholism and drug addiction uh, have a moment of rock bottom. Mm. And that there's an early scene where we want to go, to go to AA, and the guy speaking at the lectern is saying about how he hit rock bottom. Mm. And with Nicole, you see her rock bottom at the start of the film. And and I I thought an inter- interesting when when you mentioned that about her rock bottom that there is a really nice, um, I think well as you said at the start I think that the the beginning of the film the first twenty five minutes is hands down the best bit. Um, but there's a really interesting narrative mirroring of the plane's literal descent and Nicole's rock bottoming. Those two narratives are intertwined, and she she falls from a position of relative security to to completely nothing. And the the plane does the same thing. And I I really like that. I think that there's a lot of symbolism to this film. A lot of visual uh, sort of referencing. Mm. You know, they. I think they're literally bringing her out of her, um, out of her flat as the plane goes over. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I think that you've got these two stories that are almost offset. That you, 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 at the start, you're kind of into that these are people both on the same journey, and they are. But she hits rock bottom in her opening scene, and then kind of peaks up from there to a point where she is in control of what she's doing, and then it takes whip the entire film to hit rock bottom mm. I think that the, the the final scene where he hits rock bottom is a very powerful scene and that's kind of whilst I say I didn't like the film certain bits certain scenes of it were great mm. so, and, and it was almost frustrating that I didn't like it because there were so many elements here that were great but I felt that the, the, I, would, I would lay the blame at the writer's door rather than the director's door personally right. for the length of the problems okay. but I do think it went on far too long but there were Frustratingly good bits in in amongst it. I think one of the one of the uh, elements that really kicked out to me was the idea of control mm. that that, that uh, a lot of the characters have. Uh, you've got Whip, who's always maintaining his control, even in in the crash scene. Never really seemed very flustered. No, he seems on top of it. Um, but obviously, you become aware that that control is a, is a veneer on top of 
a, a lack of control. And even the scenes where you see him taking control, where he kind of empties his house of alcohol, and you see that you feel he's making choices that are good choices. Mm. You've got Nicole, who is kind of in control through a lot of films by the early start. You've got a lot about the um, the lawyer, whose name suddenly escapes me. Don Cheadle? Don Cheadle. Um, who, let's call him that. Let's call him Don Cheadle. Um, the lawyer Don Cheadle, <laughs> who is very much in control, and uh, but at the same time, all his control is based on someone else's actions. Mm. And I think there's a lot of lot of in the film about control, certainly. Well, like you say, this this film is it's, it, as I said at the start. This is not a film about a plane, and this mm. is it, it, as as you just said. This is a film about about taking control, and it's something that that Whip says right at the beginning. This is it repeatedly in in the crash scene is about taking control and it's your plane now you're in control now or I'm going to take control yes. and he makes a point of saying I don't want the autopilot on I'm flying this I'm in control of this mm-hmm. so right from the very start even even the character himself has been very clear that that this is about being in control I think that's one of the strengths of the film is mm. is its handling of of high function alcoholics versus the traditional movie version of alcoholics in that you can have physical control without emotional control mm. and whip certainly has physical control he you know it's a big thing as we say in the film that he he lands his plane through an incredible um series of events perfectly calm perfectly control that they say in the film that they ran the same situation through test pilots and no one could do it but him and he's very much in control of his physical actions mm. until his emotional actions take control and I, th- yeah. I think the film is about from my point him marrying those two and the moment that is rock bottom for him is when he has to confront a physical action that's based off an emotional reaction Right. Uh, as um, he has to basically kind of he has to point the finger at somebody else yeah, for the crash, and physically, up until that point, he's in control of of the conversation. He can you know say what's need to be said, but then emotionally, suddenly he can't blame somebody else. Emotionally, he, he wouldn't would let him do that. Yeah, and that when those two moments collide, I think is his rock bottom. When when he can't the physical controlness, the lying can't fight against that emotional any longer. Mm. Yeah, and it's something that. That he comes, it's also that is the moment when he realizes that he is hurting other people. Mm. And before, he must have known that he was hurting his his wife and son, but he doesn't really. It doesn't really register for him. He doesn't really care about that. And that's some. That's that's a realization that he is he is forced to come through through as you said through marrying the, these two elements of control. I think that with a lot of the actions where he's lost people um, through drink, that I felt with him that there was almost a reversal of of cause and effect. That in he almost in his mind it wasn't like he drank so his wife left. It's that he's drinking now. After his wife left, so it wasn't that the drink caused the leaving. Mm. It's because the wife left, so he drinks. And I think that's a, in my experience, in my experience of alcoholism, that's often a case in which the effects of the drinking 
somehow fuel that circle of, well, that happened, so I'm going to have a drink. Mm. And you end up looking at the effects of your drinking and thinking that's the cause of your drinking. And without giving off a spoiler, the, the end of that moment, he can't do that because of the person who you have to blame. He can't... You know, he doesn't have the action to turn around and say, actually, no, this is her fault. Mm. Because of... Because she... Various reasons that we can't get away at this point. So I think there's... I think that's one thing it did do well, is it handled the alcoholism side of it very well. Mm. One other thing that struck me about the film, and I don't know if it struck you as much, was there was an awful lot of religious symbolism. Yeah, that didn't... Well, now you said it, I'm thinking, well, it was stupid of me not to be struck by that, but it, it didn't at the time, but now you mention it does. I don't know why. I mean, this is this may be why I didn't get the film, but there's a the crash happens at a church... There's a lot of shots of, of crucifixes in various places. The co-pilot has the whole sort of almost very intense religious interaction with Whip. Mm. There's a long run going thing about the lawyer trying to get act of God into the cause of the crash as a reason. Mm. And it felt to me like there was a lot of symbolism in the film about religion and faith and God. I just, I suppose I didn't get what it was into. I couldn't work out what they were trying to say that Whip to himself is God. He, he's very arrogant and he hit and he by the crash and he knows what he's doing. There's a lot of arrogance in Whip. Mm. But they didn't seem to push the idea of him as, as a, a messiah figure or a, or, a, or a God figure. And I just wasn't sure what they were trying to do with the that almost quite intense religiousness of the film at times. Maybe that goes back to what you were saying about control, maybe there's there's some element to this in which the director or the writer, whoever is, is pushing this idea of religion being about, or organised religion as it's presented in the film, being a question of control. Mm. And that's something that, as you said, the, the Lord tries to get um, out of God put into the the inquest, whatever the yes. name is. And... And Whip's response is, "Well, I don't want Act of God. I nothing worked. The, the plane broke, and I saved it. There's no God involved here." Yes. Um, so maybe it's it's the the writer saying, "Well, I'd like to make a comment on religion. I'm mm. necessarily putting putting Whip up as a as a replacement religious figure, but I'm I'm calling into question this idea of of control through religion." Yeah, I think that there's. I mean, there there is certainly a, a I don't know a, a thought around the idea of public face but private face here in that you've got Whip who's initially hailed as a, a national hero obviously um, for saving all these lives and the, almost the messiah worship of, of that character that that trope even in our society like um, that Sully character who uh, landed in Hudson River oh yeah yeah. And hailed as the greatest American in the world, and all that kind of thing. Whether there's an idea in the writer's mind of like the, the, the face behind the face, that that somehow we, through the gods we create and and the messiahs we have, that there's a true story that we ignore to create a, I suppose a a, a fashionable idol. Maybe maybe that's what this film about is about. Then it's not it's not, well, it's not about a plane crash, and it's not necessarily about addiction. It's about what about how how we use religion. How mm. each of us looks at religion, looks at various experiences through religion. Because there was the interesting character that never really went anywhere of of the the cancer patient on the stairs. 
Who I really liked that character. And I thought he did really, but he was a lot about how everyone treats him special. How he how he's like he's close to the other the other side, and everyone treats him differently because of it. Mm. And I, I I think you went on to there with the idea of religious experiences because AA can be a bit religious. I know mm. Have, having seen a few friends go through it, that is a lot about a higher power. I am nothing to this how all that sort of thing. So there's certain elements of that in there. I think that the film doesn't answer all the questions. I think that's good and bad in the, the way that films often don't answer all the questions, shall we say? I, I think that's and that's a good thing as well, that there there are lots of, of narrative threads that go unanswered, like, as you said, this, this cancer patient who just sort of wanders into the narrative and then literally walks off screen and doesn't mm. come back. Despite having a an epic yeah. monologue that you feel is kind of setting up themes for the film. Yes. But yeah, I, I, I would... For my own personal problems with the film, I would lay the problem at the writer's door. Mm. Looking at his uh, writing credits up to this point, you've got the things like Real Steel, which I happily say was slow and dull in places. Coach Carter, they all suffer from a similar kind of bagginess to their plotting. Right. Yeah, yeah the, the big thing I mentioned is, is the addiction. And everyone in the film has their addictions. Uh, mm. Even, obviously, you've got the main addict characters um, in, in Whip and Nicole. You've got the lawyer who's very much addicted to his job and almost like a pit bull character, lawyer-wise. You've got the um, owner of the airline who all he cares about is his other interest, that, that, that he's safe from it all. And every character in this has their their obsession. I think that the film does play with ideas of addiction along those lines. The idea that we say things like alcohol and drugs and cocaine are addicts and other things aren't addictions. But at the same time, they might possibly be addictions. Do you mean about the the there there are certain legal drugs that aren't the the addiction to those isn't really seen as an addiction? For example, I would say that, but I would also go a bit further and say that addiction, aside from obviously chemical dependencies, some addictions are basically obsessions run rampant, or, obs- or right. obsessions yes. with things we deem it's not okay to be obsessed with. Yes, and also when when Whip is chemically dependent on certain things, it, it leads to him treating other people badly, and and we see that as a, a fundamentally bad thing. But if an obsession with um, the law results in you treating your family badly because you don't spend any time at home, that's somehow seen differently. And I mean, you've got obviously in Whip yourself, you've got the dual addictions of alcoholism and uh and flight and you see if you, you think that both of them have been passed down the family family generations he's on, he's on his grandpa mm. grandfather's farm uh, who was a pilot um, and that's what i was saying about the the owner of the airline he he doesn't care about anything but protecting himself mm. the lawyer doesn't care about anything but what he can do to get off he doesn't care about actually i don't think he cares about any of the any of the characters he doesn't care about whip at all all he cares about getting whip off and winning that case yes You've got the guy, the rep from the pilot union, who his his he comes across very nice and very friendly, but he's very clearly cares about the the union. That's what he's there for. Yeah, he cares about the the body of pilots. I mean, that that is his job to care about that. But he, you get the feeling that he would probably throw Whip under the bus in a second if it involved Whip or the pilots. Yeah, and the co-pilot, when you see him post crash with his wife. Everything's about Jesus. Mm. 
his her wife I think literally has two lines which is praise Jesus and glory to God or something like that. that there's there's an obsession there with religion that is equally as not equally but unhealthy akin to what we normally deem as addictions. I think actually that that's one really good thing about the John Goodman character is that he appears to be bizarrely the the obviously addicted obviously unhealthy obviously bad for whip character appears to be the most genuine who appears to be the one who cares about whip and the the others want like you said the lawyer wants certain things he wants to win the cases and care about whip and someone else wants wants something for the greater good of pilots but doesn't care about whip john goodman as much as he is an an, an avaricious horrible drug dealer at, at bottom he he does actually care about whip as a person and that's one of the the paradoxes of of the film is that you get this the 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 one character who is supposed to be the most addicted actually ends up being the least self-centeredly obsessive in the way that you, that you're just talking about it i would say with john goodman's character i really enjoy i mean i, I will watch john goodman in anything mm. uh, i think he's amazing i felt I agree. I will stand by. I thought he was completely out of place in this film, yeah. but I did enjoy watching him in this film. You know, it, it, but I just felt that he was completely out of left field as a character. I think that's a a great place to kind of. Anything else you want to add to the uh, discussion on film flight, Sam? I don't think so. We haven't done a very good job of talking more generally about films, but I, I don't think we need to actually. It's quite quite an insular film. It's quite. Good. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the standout things is that. I can't think of another film like it. No, no. I mean, there are films that deal with alcoholism, certainly, but I can't think of another one that handles what I call, call high-functioning alcoholics in such a manner. You've got things like uh, Leaving Las Vegas that deal with alcoholism and things like that, but nothing has this kind of focus on the high-functioning ones. I think it is a, a unique film. Hmm. Well, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I, I enjoyed it, I liked it much. It was an interesting watch. I think it's testament to that uniqueness that the recommendations I've got are really nothing like the film at all. <laughs> I've got... Um, well, I suppose the nearest to it is um, a very early addiction film by, um, coincidentally, Billy Wilder, director of The Apartment, Some Like It Hot. Um, and 15 years before those two, he directed The Lost Weekend... 1945, which is another film about a man who has another narrative going on, but is is consumed by this narrative of addiction. In his case, it's it's alcoholism, um, and and it's he he's a writer. It's it's not a, not a huge a career that affects other people in the way that that uh, Whitaker's career does. But I think that's that's an that'd be an interesting okay. counterpoint to that and. My second one is not even a film. It's so so far removed, and we we've done this in the past. Um, I'd recommend the it, quite specifically the first series, and then maybe five episodes of Dexter, US TV series, which is well, it's it's no spoiler to say it's it's about a serial killer. Everyone knows that from the from the yep. promotional material. But it's not really about that, and it becomes certainly in the first half of the second series. It becomes um, a narrative about addiction, 
and he is quite clear that this is something he is addicted mm. to. Um, and he goes to AA meetings um, with a woman who is, an, an, I suppose, a more conventional addict and is also, I mean, she's a manipulative, manipulative personality. Um, but And he keeps it to himself that his addiction is to killing people. But, and that that's a really interesting counterpoint. It, it, halfway through the second series, it, to use our, our favourite Happy Days reference, jumps the shark in quite a yeah. major way, um, and is laughably terrible from the middle of the second series on. And we well, we gave up watching it in disgust by, by the end of the second series. But that first series and a half is really good, particularly the first half of the second series when it's talking about addiction. Um, I'm going to grab two recommendations this time this week as well. As, uh, as Sam pointed out, it's hard to recommend films like this, so I really haven't, basically. The first film I recommend is Cry Freedom. Cry Freedom is a 1987 film starring... Denzel Washington about apartheid in South Africa. Denzel Washington plays Steve Bitko, who is a black mm-hmm. activist who dies in custody, and Kevin Klein plays a uh, journalist uh, who has to is forced to flee the country trying to investigate that crime. It's probably the film that launched Denzel into uh, fame, and it's a it's an amazing, powerful film, and I think that. The one thing I, I did love about this film is Denzel's performance, and this film, Cry Freedom, really does highlight Denzel Washington's ability to bring intensity and power to a, to a role. Directed by Richard Attenborough, so it, it is a, a quality film, as, as well as an important one, I'd say. And secondly, and this is a, obviously a very tonally different film, I would recommend Castaway, directed by Robert Beckis, same director as Flight. And I think it's another film that deals with intensity and obsession and survival in the face of odds and a plane crash. Personally, I really like the film. It's, it's one of my, my favourite films. So any chance I recommend it, I'll take it. But I do think that it has a link to this film, obviously through the director, but also in some of the, 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 the themes and tonals that uh, emerge from within it. Uh, so those are my recommendations mm. uh, for this week. Now it's my turn to pick the film for next week. Uh-huh. Um, yes. I, I'm going to go, go for on. a film. I'm not sure if Sam will have seen this or even heard of it, but it's from 2004 and it's a film called Dear Wendy. No, never heard of it. It is directed by Lars von Trier. Uh, yes, I know Lars von Trier. This is not a traditional Lars von Trier film. It certainly isn't a dogma film. It stars Jamie Bell and Alison Pill as some a group of kids in small time America who find some guns and about they form a club around the use of these guns it has some elements of, of Von Trier and Vinterberg's director's styles in some sort of the, the third world deconstruction of films and well but I think it's certainly the most accessible of their films and I saw it probably in 2004 when it first came out and I remember it being very interesting I haven't seen it since and I thought this would be a great chance to kind of Rewatch that film from my point of view and see if the uh, the themes that interested me ten years ago still do. Good, I look forward to it. Lovely. Well, check us out online, guys. You can find us on Twitter at the Prestige Podcast, and you find me at Life underscore Academic, and you can find me at Rob Kaiju on Twitter. Brilliant. We'll see you guys next week.
The Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries. Rawr! Arg.